Hello and welcome into episode 38 of the Stomp the Bus Show. I'm your host, Mark Harris, coming at you solo today uh, as we got some NFL draft and more ASU basketball transfer news to go over. So should be a shorter episode today, but uh, yeah, just going to touch on that stuff, starting with the draft where ASU did not uh, did not go over, unlike uh, another school in this state. Um you know, it's funny, on the last episode two weeks ago, Colt and I were talking, mentioned about maybe doing a draft preview, uh, decided against it last week just because we were both busy. And that turned out to be the right decision because ASU had one one player drafted, uh, that being defensive tackle Nesta Jade, Jade Silvera getting drafted by the Raiders in the seventh round. You know, not a great draft. There's no other way to put it. I mean, I'm sure... Uh, you know, maybe there was a chance one of the other guys who uh, got picked up as a UDFA maybe had a chance to get drafted in the seventh, but um, it's it's the reality of going three and nine last year, you know, and I, there are more talented guys, you know, on the team right now that were on last year's team, but it's just what happens, you know, <laughs> you don't get a bunch of players drafted usually, unless you're Stanford, weirdly, they had like six guys drafted, so you know, I don't know. That's just a weird one. I guess they were, they were coached really bad because that they were worse than ASU last year. And I, I, I well, I mean, they beat ASU, but regardless, uh, it does keep a streak of 10 straight years of a Sun Devil getting drafted. Um, talk about barely keeping a streak because if you're relying on a seventh round pick to keep the streak alive, that's tough, but Hey, still counts. Um, I think there had to have been a few seventh, sixth and seventh guys in there towards the end of the Todd Graham era. I remember working for state press my junior year, and this would have been the 2017 draft working for state press my junior year and waiting that whole Saturday for the late rounds, uh, to write a little short blurb about an ASU player getting picked. Uh, nothing happened until the seventh round when I think it was the Browns who selected Zane Gonzalez kicker out of Arizona state. So it's better to have a defensive tackle being your only draft pick than a kicker being your only draft pick. But um, yeah, kind of shows, shows the state of the program in both instances uh, because uh, yeah, that was a 27. So that was right before ASU ended up firing Todd Graham after the 2017 season. Um, so, and ASU fired Herm Edwards last year. So I guess it kind of makes sense. I think, Maybe in the 2016 draft, they only had Christian Sam get drafted. So there have been some lean years. There have been some lean years in there. Uh, there was some year. I'd say last year was a good year with four guys picked. And then you've had the years uh, with Nikhil Harry and Brandon Ayuk going in the first round. Those are those were obviously good years. I think I, I don't have the whole draft history in front of me, but having 10 straight years of yet having someone picked, that's a good little accomplishment. Um it's a very ASU type accomplishment in the sense that like, yes, they've had 10 players drafted or 10, 10 years in a row of players drafted. But like I just mentioned earlier, not all of those were exactly super high level picks. Um, but, you know, I'm happy for Nesta Jade Silvera. He transferred to ASU last year from Miami, um, you know, made some plays stuff in the run for a bad ASU defense last year and did just enough to get drafted. So it's it's a good you know it's a good sign and 
hopefully next year's draft will be a lot more successful. Uh, another guy who I thought might get drafted was Xavier Valade, but he almost he almost made maybe had a better day than even Nessa Jade Silvera because according to Mike Garofolo of the NFL Network, ASU running back Xavier Valade signs with the Texans as an undrafted free agent on a deal with 175k in guaranteed money. Good for him, man, because, you know, like no one knows what's going to happen in the NFL and at least he'll get some level of cash guaranteed, you know, who knows what, what he does with it, but that's, that's at least some, you know, something to get rewarded from, from your college career, essentially. Uh, and that's a good, that's a good spot to go to because I don't have the Texans running back depth chart in front of me, but I can't imagine it's, stellar you know so he, he could definitely have a role as like a third down back you know we we talked about him before he's a capable uh pass catching running back decent blocker obviously good runner um so i think there should be a spot for him and so i i really hope that he uh could actually stick around with the texans but even if he doesn't you know we forget about this every year in the nfl but like by midseason, there are so many random running backs uh, that get picked up by teams just because of injuries and what have you. So that honestly, like Valde could be someone to watch for in fantasy football wise once we get to like late October into November, just because maybe a contender needs that third running back and they pick up Valde off the waiver wire or whatever. So I'm excited to see what he does in the NFL. Uh, obviously no one else got drafted, but, um, a few guys got picked up by, uh, teams as well as undrafted free agents. Uh, Cal Sowelli goes to the Cardinals. So he has a completely Arizona football career because Saguaro, ASU, now to the Cardinals, you know, he could probably stay in his, stay in his same apartment and go to their facility in Tempe. So good for him. That's look, that's another guy who he's going to a bad team. And if you're going to a bad team there, you know, theoretically should be more potential spots for you to make it. So hopefully, you know, we'll see Sowelli on special teams or something for the cards. Tamarcus Davis goes to the Rams. I think Tamarcus Davis, I don't want to say he had a great year last year, but I think he, he was okay. He was pretty good. And it's not surprising to see him get picked up. Uh, we'll see what happens with him. You know, there, there are a lot of undrafted guys who make the NFL too. So, uh, Last year, Darian Butler and Curtis Hodges both went undrafted, and they I think they they made the initial 53 with the uh, Raiders and Commanders, respectively. So watch for that, too. Travis Moore gets picked up by the Panthers as a UDFA uh, defensive end, and then linebacker Merlin Robertson is going to attend the Washington Commanders rookie minicamp. So that's some good stuff. Uh you know, I think I think next year's draft will be much better for ASU. Uh, I mean, you have two guys that you pretty much know are going to get drafted in Elijah Badger and Jalen Conyers. And maybe it's a little too certain of me to say no, but it would be very surprising, barring catastrophic injury or weird off-the-field stuff, for either of those two not to get picked at some point in the seven rounds of the 2024 NFL draft. They're just too talented. 
I think Conyers will be a very highly rated tight end prospect. I imagine, you know, no one's going to top Brock Bowers, but he'll be up there. He's, he's really got a lot of skills. Um, And Dillingham's offense should utilize him very well. Badger, we see the talent um, unless it's an extremely loaded receiver class. I think that he will hear his name called Um, beyond that. There definitely got some guys I'm forgetting right now uh maybe Roe Torrance is a guy tall lanky corner and then when you look at the front seven it's just so many new guys um linebackers a lot of new guys in there too so no, and no one that really stands out right away hope I mean no hopefully that doesn't matter and they still get someone but yeah so it'll th- those are the two guys you want to watch for um heading into next year's draft so Pretty quiet day for the Sun Devils in the 2023 draft, but, you know, there were three teams in the Pac-12 that had no one drafted. Um, one of them was Washington, and that's – they're kind of in a little separate category because they basically had all of their key contributors return back, and that's why in the uh, two early top 25 polls, Washington I, – I saw one where they were up at five, and I, I don't even scoff at that because they returned both edge rushers, quarterback – uh, both receivers, a lot of their offensive line, like they are really bringing everyone back. So uh, that, that should be an interesting test for ASU this fall in Seattle. Uh, and then the other two were Colorado, which no surprise, they were terrible last year and Arizona. That's right. For the, I don't, I don't even know what the consecutive year is that they haven't had anyone drafted at least the second consecutive year because last year, Jed Fish tweeted out, uh, quote tweeted an article that said Arizona didn't have anyone drafted with uh, not never again or something like that. <laughs> and, uh, uh, fellow ASU podcasters, speak of the devils, they quote tweeted it with uh, the uh, adding the old takes exposed guy. <laughs> so I, man, that's, look, I, I get that like, me being a little happy about ASU, I mean, U of A not having anyone drafted is like a little mean spirited just because it means that like a, you know, college kid is not having his dream realized. But just the fact that Jed Fish tweeted out never again, and they, they have their best season in years and they still don't have anyone drafted. So, um, you know, and then like I mentioned earlier, the draft, it's an inexact science when it comes to evaluating who the actual best teams were. Stanford had a handful of guys drafted. Northwestern had a handful of guys drafted, and both those teams were bad last year. And U of A probably would have beaten both those teams um, on a neutral field, but it's just funny how it all shakes out and they don't have someone drafted after their coach uh, promises that they would a year before. So going to take that small little victory lap today as a Sun Devil. Um, well, victory laps... Uh, are not as common for the ASU basketball team. Uh, But they have been addressing the portal. And I'm kind of going to – I didn't say that well at all. I'm kind of going to go through a good news, bad news type of – just how I'm feeling with ASU basketball right now because there have been some additions in and there have been obviously lots of guys leaving through the portal – and I'm just kind of trying to wrap my head around it. Um, I'm going to start with the guys they brought in. So this week, 
ASU uh, got a commit from Tulsa transfer, Bryant Selimbange. I don't know that I pronounced that right. He is originally from Montreal, uh, just like Lou Dort. So the, the Montreal, the Tempe connection is real. Um, uh, I think he's uh, has French background, um, or at least French Canadian, but it's, yeah, it's pronounced Brian Celebange. Um, but, you know, the guy's 6'8", average 12 points and 9.6 rebounds last year. So, you know, not like an insanely awesome, like game-changing prospect that you get him, but a big body who can score fairly efficiently. Like that's kind of what half the guys have been in this class when you think of Kamari Lands and uh, Adam Miller. But look, this playing at Tulsa, like he's played against Houston. He's played against um, Memphis. You know, that's not the hardest league, but this guy does like, this is a legitimate, um, a legitimate get by Bobby. And again, they've lost so many guys through the portal. You just have to take quality players, you know? I mean, ASU basketball roster upcoming we don't know. Frankie Collins will likely come back just because he's entering the name for the NBA draft. Most likely he will return. Um, Kamari Land, same type of guy. Alonzo Gaffney returning. Very similar type of player, just more of a, maybe a different game, but the same, uh, same type of size. Jemiah Neal, the other guard, Malachi Davis. Uh, he's more of a shooting guard type. And then Zane Meeks as well. Akil Watson, those are big bodies. So I think ASU basketball, like the scoring, I don't think they'll have the same type of like uh, high level scorers as they did last year, or maybe that's not the right way to phrase it. Like they, they won't have the clear scoring options. It feels like of last year in Desmond Cambridge Jr. and DJ Horn. We're like, we're, if you're an ASU fan, you're like, okay, like if, if they're taking a wide open three or even a contested three, I feel better about that than Alonzo Gaffney doing that or uh, Luther Muhammad from last year or whomever. Um, but I don't, it, who knows how the, the top dog scoring will work itself out um, with ASU, but they will have length. You know, I kind of stumbled through all that to get to this point that they will have length. You have, uh, Selimbange, I can't pronounce that name. You have him, Lonzo Gaffney, Lands, Miller, Jemiah Neal's lengthy, Davis is tall, Zane Meeks, Kiel Watson. So you will have guys that you can throw at other players defensively. The big question is like, who's going to shoot for one and where's the consistent scoring going to come from? So that's still a concern, but at least Hurley is really like really addressing the portal, at least with volume. Um, and that's better than nothing, you know, with some of the guys who left and I'm going to get into that, but uh, it's good that he's not like, oh, we can just totally trust Kamari lands. We can totally trust random portal guy. If you bring more guys in, uh, players will establish themselves amongst one another and Hopefully uh, you get a decent team out of that. Um, however, Hurley did not just add length because 
on Wednesday, he added Gilbert native Bryson Long from the transfer portal. He played at Houston Christian, not the Houston Cougars, Houston Christian um, in the Southland Conference, which is a lower end D1 conference. Um, and you know what? He shot 41% from deep. Averaged just a bit under four, uh, 15 points per game. So a solid player, and he addresses a need at shooting. You know, having a guy who transfers in who averaged, you know, almost 42% from three-point land, that's really big. You know, and he'll he'll have a very, I'd, I'd imagine, he'll have a pretty defined role on this team. But the fact that he also, you know, was scoring 15 points per game, uh, that's impressive too. So this is one that... This is one that actually, now that I think about it, might be one of the more like key transfer additions just because of the shooting. You know, the two guards that ASU has right now uh, from last year in Frankie Collins and Jemiah Neal, those guys have their strengths, but shooting last year was not one of them, or at least consistently. And, you know, like I, like I mentioned, 42% from deep, that's... That that's gonna be very, very useful if he can maintain that. So I, you know, with with everything, you know, in light of all the guys leaving from ASU, I I commend Hurley for like really adjusting quickly, you know, because not all these, you know, there's a lot of other schools fighting for, you know, decent level players too. So getting getting guys like this is a real good way to rebuild the roster and, you know, feel the competitive team. I mean, they've, it's just, they've just have so many guys who have left and most recent one is Warren Washington. Um, he entered the transfer portal this past weekend. Um, and that's tough because he was at the spring game uh, for NIL for as part of the sun angel NIL group doing stuff and it it just seems like it's just a tough loss because it just seems like with all these guys or not not with all of these guys but with at least some of these guys who have left that NIL has to be a part of this right because Warren Washington's already transferred a bunch of times um DJ Horn tr transferred from Illinois State to ASU now to NC State um duke brennan transferred out i'm starting to forget all the guys who transferred out but uh desmond cambridge jr or not desmond cambridge jr devin cambridge transferred to oregon smell that's i have no inside sourcing that really seems like nil and i don't have any problem with guys getting nil the quite the, the reason i bring all this up is it seems like there's just not enough NIL money for men's basketball from the Sun Angel Collective. It seems, okay. I don't know anything like, but just when you see all these high level guys transfer out of ASU after a good season. And as far as we know, it seems like the players seem to like Bobby for the most part. And so you're playing high level basketball. You made the tournament. Um, you seem to like your coach for the most part. And this is a broad, you know, obviously with every guy who transfers, there's an individual story, 
Um, but it just seems like, a, it seems like some of them probably want to stay, but they're not getting enough NIL money to make it worthwhile. You know, Desmond, Devin Cambridge uh, released a statement shortly after the season ended that said, basically, oh, I'm coming back. I like Coach Hurley, yada, yada. Week and a half later, he says, oh, I'm actually going to put my name in the transfer portal. And eventually he heads to Oregon. Um, Warren Washington, he goes to the, he, he declares for the draft. And I think he still has declared for the draft. <laughs> goes to the ASU spring game uh, as part of like a meet and greet with the Sun Angel NIL. And, you know, fairly recently after that, he puts his name in the portal and it doesn't look like he's coming back to ASU. Um, DJ Horn left right away, but then Duke Brennan, he leaves out of the portal and goes to GCU. Now, Jemiah Neal put his name in the portal and came back. So maybe that is an instance of the Sun Angel Collective has a decent chunk of money for like a few basketball players, but not enough. You know, that's that's what's puzzling to me because it because the reason why is it does seem like they do have a, an adequate amount of NIL money for football. Um, and maybe they only have X amount of NIL money and that X amount is basically what it takes to cover the football team, you know? And they would rather lose basketball players to the portal at the, you know, in, in order to keep football players from staying or keep them to stay that I worded that poorly. Basically it, it seems like the, the collective is okay with losing basketball players. If that means the money goes to football players. Um, and because it seems like if they had just frankly more money, then there would be fewer basketball players, high level basketball players leaving. Like there's no, there's no way that, Warren Washington leaving and Devin Cambridge leaving through the portal is good for ASU basketball because those guys were contributors last year. Um, and again, I know they added Sean Phillips from LSU seven feet tall, but he has barely played Warren Washington. Like we've mentioned on the show, he's a skilled center. Um, and so that's just a tough loss. There's no way to spin it. And that's why it's just, because it doesn't seem this, it doesn't feel like last year at this time or around last year at this time when it, the collective was kind of just getting started. Remember, we had the radio comments from Ray Anderson. I think it was February of 2022 regarding NIL. And he was like, oh, we're not really going to play that game. So clearly, ASU, Michael Crow, most likely, didn't want to do NIL at all. And basically, the world forced him kind of into doing an IL uh, and forced ASU into doing an IL when all the guys left off the football team last year. So it seems like they've kind of corrected that with football. You know, there, there, will, pro there will probably be a guy that leaves to get a huge IL package somewhere at some point. But for the most part, it looks like football is fairly well set up with NIL. And remember last year, Emory Jones he got, I think it was like 75K in a car from the collective. And so uh, I really doubt that if Warren Washington was offered 75K from the Sun Devil, Sun Angel Collective, I always screw that up, so from the Sun Angel Collective, I really doubt that he leaves ASU. And that I'm just using that number because it was used with Emory Jones. I don't even think 
they would have to offer 75K to keep him here. Um, and so I talk all this out. Just, I don't know, I'm just kind of exploring my thoughts on this because like, like I've said, it doesn't seem like it's affecting the football team that badly right now. Whereas in basketball, you know, I tweeted about this a few weeks ago and it's raising the question, is there not enough money for men's basketball or is there just not enough NIL money, you know? And I don't know. I would be one of the last people to know because I, you know, I don't, I don't know what the finances are of the Sun Angel Collective, but just, you know, by seeing just, just when you see all of these guys leave the basketball team, you, how can you not wonder what, how the NIL money is being distributed, you know? And when you see guys from the football team, you know, Asian football didn't really have anyone um, important leave after spring football, you know, unlike last year. And the only guys who left off the uh, this past year after the season ended were guys, upperclassmen, guys who were from the Herm era and just wanted a fresh start. So basically the guys I can think of at the top of my head right now, uh, Ladarius Henderson goes to Michigan. Okay. That makes total sense. Like, sure. It would be great for him to continue being at ASU, but that makes total sense. They have a better O-line, you know, pipeline in the NFL right now. It makes perfect sense for him to go there. Uh, ben Scott goes to Nebraska. Again, it makes sense just because he was a, he had been a Herm guy and been through the Herm era. And then all of a sudden it flips. And so you, again, it's a coaching change. Like this is what the portal was designed for is for players to be able to leave when there's a coaching change and, you know, Ben Scott and Ladarius Henderson weren't recruited by Kenny Dillingham out of high school to go to ASU. And so it makes sense that they leave, but you look at the guys ASU kept Elijah Badger. That was a guy, a lot of people were scared of leaving after this past season. And I'm sure some of that's Dillingham and the offense, but it has to be some NIL as well. Jalen Conyers, um, Isaiah Johnson entered the portal, came back. Uh, so those are just a few guys that stand out in terms of ASU football being able to, or collective, whatever it is, ASU sports apparatus, being able to maintain them um, and keep them in the program. And it's just totally not the case with basketball at all save for Jemiah Neal and Frankie Collins, I guess, you know, <laughs> excuse me, because all the other guys have left. And so when you, you know, when you talk it out, when you just look at the absences, the comings and goings from the program, but it's, it's hard for me to believe that there's just ASU, the Sun Angel Collective is just completely broke and they're really struggling. I don't believe that. What I do believe is they have, you know, let's just say they have a million dollars stowed away. This is that's just a number I'm throwing out there. It's not any sort of like sourced information. Let's just say they have a million dollars, but it kind of takes, you know, nine hundred thousand dollars to satisfy the whole football team. And then that leaves you with a hundred K left. You all have to remember the baseball team and like NAL stuff or other sports as well. And maybe that just leaves maybe basketball just gets the short end of the stick. Because maybe that's how the, you know, the donors are prioritizing it as well. So, and, you know, now that I'm kind of just wrapping this up, maybe, 
maybe losing basketball players is the cost of doing business to keep important football players or to attract important football, important football players. Um, and I've said this, I think deep down as ASU fans, what would have been more devastating at, from a fan perspective, Jalen Conyers and Elijah Badger going into the portal or Warren Washington and DJ Horn. I think from an ASU fan, I think if you ask the average ASU sports fan, they would much rather keep the two important football guys than the two important basketball guys, unless they're like incredible, like a James Harden, you know, Lou Dort type player. But the thing with, but you know, those guys stay so short anyway, uh, even under the old rules. So this is probably, you know, just using logic and common sense. This is probably the, you know, the big donors saying, Hey, this is going towards football. We need to maximize the blank out of football and if a few basketball guys transfer out, so be it. So those are kind of my thoughts on all that, because it when you just see all these guys leaving the ASU basketball program, questions have to be asked, you know, and red flags have to go up. And to me, unless there's some huge, you know, abuse investing, some weird, crazy thing that happened on the basketball program that, you know, no one is privy to, it, it seems like the obvious answer is NIL because all of these, all of these guys would have gotten playing time, all of them. Um, and so, whereas the guys leaving recently from ASU football, most of them, it's probably because they weren't going to get a lot of playing time. So they're going to go somewhere else. Um, again, which makes sense. So when you have all these handful of guys from the basketball team leave, some of whom show indications that they're going to come back, but then don't, it all roads just lead you down to it being NIL reasons. Um, and for me, I think that, you know, who knows how much is, how much money the collective truly has to work with and how they divvy it out. But it just seems that a huge, way higher percentage goes to football. And because of that, the basketball team gets as gets what they can get. And for some players, that's means they're going to look elsewhere. Um, so it seems like ASU has so much NIL money and most of it goes to football. And I think most ASU fans would probably be okay with that. All right. Well, that is it for episode 38. 